Hello and welcome to the Harry Man Show, episode eighty-three. Today we have David Nestor just got off the road with Aaron Lewis and is a renowned drum tech. How you doing, David? I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? Good. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, and the more I uh, hear about you and your resume, I'm like more intrigued. This badass stuff you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, a hustler's life, I guess, is a way to put it. You got to stay busy, so that usually ends up meaning you work for a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, touching base, what you just you just got off the road with Aaron Lewis. How did that go for for you on that run? Uh, it went really well. So I was actually drumming for Aaron, not drum teching. Um, so I do drum as well, uh, but I am probably more well known as a drum tech just because I've done it more and had probably a bigger resume in that field. But um, I'm breaking my way into the playing side of things, which is cool, uh, which also offers its own challenges, just like any career. But I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. So I am. Uh, back and forth drum teching in between playing gigs. But yeah, I was out with Aaron Lewis from, I think we started May 3rd or 4th this year. Uh-huh. And we were on and off tour all the way until October 2nd, doing full band stuff for his solo um, music. Now, I'm a big fan of Aaron Lewis myself. I grew up listening to Stain. Was he incorporating any of that material in there as well? Yeah, uh, we would play more of a ballad version of Right Here. Nice. And also, it's been a while. Nice. And then he would usually come out after the full band set was done to do uh, an acoustic set. And he would throw in outside and every now and then another song or two. But for the most part, those three were like the, the primary ones he would take from Stained. So how did that, obviously you're, you're networking and you're in the circle with it, but how did that gig come about for you? <clears throat> um, so last summer I was drum teching for Korn. Um, Ray Luzier is the drummer, really nice guy. No shit. Great drummer. Yeah. Um, and we did a summer run. Sorry, what were you saying? I said no shit. That's badass. Yeah, yeah. Ray is great, man. I, um, I actually is, took a lesson from him once, too. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. yeah. Totally worth it. He is a wealth of knowledge. He's done so much cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but in any case, he and I got along really well. We were nerd out of our drums daily. Um, and the cool part was uh, he didn't make me feel inferior at all. So I will always talk good things about Ray. Ray's a great guy. Um, and an, an amazing drummer. So both those things combined, it was it was a great experience. But Stained opened up for us um, for that tour. We did two months. It was they call it like a shed tour. So we did a lot of outdoor amphitheaters. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it was it was uh, the end of summer. So it was like August into October. So it was just shy of two months, something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So that's how I got to know the Stained crew. So. Uh, a lot of times on tours like that, the crews have to work hand in hand just because we're bumping elbows all day long. Uh, so it helps when you get along with people. And I got along with them great. So I met the front of house guy, their monitor guy, their guitar tech, um, their drum tech, and the rest of the band members too. They were all super kind and we gelled really well. And uh, it just so happens that Aaron Lewis, old guitar tech, Cody, Cody Foot is his name. Uh-huh. He is actually the bass player for Aaron's solo stuff, and he is the musical director as well. So he hires the band. So him and I have been friends ever since last summer. And then uh, earlier on this year, he hit me up and asked me if I knew of any drummers because he knew I had a pretty strong drumming network. Uh-huh. Um, and I told him, I was like, you know what? I actually kind of want to take a little bit of a break from drum teching to drum. Would you guys be interested in letting me audition? I would love to give that an opportunity. He said, dude, I've seen you play. I've seen all your videos. Uh, the gig is yours if you want it. I actually didn't think you'd be interested, oh, but shit. yeah, if you want it, it's yours. So, 
that was a really good feeling. Um, you know, putting in the effort to making my own videos and uh, putting that out there as like an online resume um, for situations just like this, it actually ended up working out. So I ended up getting the gig because of that. It sounded like he was giving you the gig before you asked. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, yeah, kind kind <laughs> of, but like he didn't he didn't actually ask me to do the gig because as you had said earlier, like. Um, I'm kind of well known as a drum tech, not really a drummer. Um, and surprisingly in the industry, a lot of people that are guitar techs, bass techs, drum techs, um, they actually don't play that instrument sometimes, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, it is kind of odd. Um, so I kind of um, I want to go back into your roots of being a drummer. Um, I, yeah. I, I didn't know you were such a metal guy, too. You mentioned going to Black Dahlia last week and all that, too. But mm-hmm. is that how mm-hmm. it started for you, or are you kind of all over the place as far as influences? Uh, definitely started with uh, metal, heavier metal or um, heavy rock. Uh, there were a lot of bands back in the day that didn't actually have necessarily screaming vocals or a lot of people call it growling vocals, but you can still be a heavy band without having that style of vocal. Um, Absolutely. So there, there's a lot of cool heavy rock bands I grew up listening to as well as heavy metal bands. Um, so yeah, I started playing like the screamo scene uh, with a lot of, emo singing with screaming behind it, kind of like the warp tour days. Um, that's really how I got into it. Like thrice and Atreyu and all those old bands. Nice. Kind of what I grew up playing and listening to, um, which is ironic because I ended up working for Atreyu for a warp tour. Oh, really? Was that when, uh, um, uh, Brandon was playing drums, sailors, sailors, right? Yeah. 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 He was still playing. Yep. Nice. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got started in the scene. I, I didn't really do drums in school. I didn't uh, do orchestra or marching band or anything, but I was always interested in music because um, my family is pretty musical, but more on the religious side, they play in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played soccer my whole life and I wanted to get into sports somehow. And I ended up switching gears around 16 when I really started to dive into drums. Um, Cause I started right around 15 or 16. Um, So yeah, that's when I kind of gave up doing the soccer as my career choice or somewhere in sports to, I really want to pursue music um, just because I fell in love as soon as it started playing. I was not good. um, And there's always more to learn and always room to get better. Uh, But I would film myself at all these little local shows I would play. Mm -hmm. And that would be the best way to find out what I was doing wrong or what I needed to fix or switch or how to look better live and all of that. So it was a good idea when I started this use my my parents old camcorder this is before like iphones were <laughs> out <laughs> um so yeah it was it was an interesting way to start but yeah local metal scene in dayton ohio so are you are you still residing at it or are you in nashville or is ohio these days i'm in nashville oh, yeah nice it's more of a scene there but uh was, uh, there, was there any yeah. like career choice or were you just going to be drums the rest of your life was that just kind of a made decision in your teens uh, no, no. So I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to play drums. I didn't care how I would do it. And I did not have a lot of experience. Uh, I mean, I was still in high school, so I just kept playing as many shows as I could. Um, I would deliver pizza to pay for my gear cause I didn't grow up in like a super, um, wealthy home or anything. I had to buy all my own stuff. Um, so that was kind of one of the reasons why I didn't really start earlier. Uh, I asked for drums when I was younger. They just didn't really happen. You know, I didn't get them. Yeah. So, uh, I ended up, you know, buying my first kit at 16 from a friend. Um, it was like a Franken kit. So it was a bunch of different colors and different brands, but it didn't matter. I just wanted to play. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's exactly how I started playing in local bands. Uh, the Dayton scene, we had a few, uh, little clubs that, 
uh, teenagers could play that were kind of, they called them Christian clubs because they were ran by churches just to make it like a safe place for us to go and just jam. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's how it started, man. And then obviously that the, you have a successful career in playing drums and teching, but did, were you kind of a gear geek when the teching came about or how did that, how did that, how did you catch that bug? Well, uh, not to bore you with too much of my oh, um, background when it came to the, uh, I was married for a brief time. And during that time, it was between 22 and 28. I was married for about six years. Uh, I didn't really play very much. I played in a local church in Cincinnati. I was full-time construction. Um, my career path at the time, mostly because of the way that my marriage was working, mm-hmm. um, was not allowing me to tour and not allowing me to pursue music as a full-time career. Because to be honest with you, uh, from a, I guess I'll say a normal standpoint, the the music industry is not looked at as an actual career path for people that are more traditional. Sustainable. Yeah, they don't think it's sustainable when, when really there is so many different aspects of the music industry where you can make a very good living and you can actually do very well for yourself. If you play your cards right, um, you just got to know what you're doing when you come into the industry, but also be willing to learn. Um, and willing to grow and willing, you know, constructive criticism is huge, but, uh, starting out with smaller bands and touring and vans and trailers and stuff is what I did before I got married. Um, so I played drums for a band called my children, my bride. That was the first band I ever toured with. Uh-huh. Um, they well, were like a heavy metal I, band. Can I, can, I, can I jump in front of you there for a second? You, you mentioned yeah. some really important factors of becoming successful in the music industry. What, what, what do you think is like the key, like core components that you would tell yourself, even if you went back? I like advice anyone coming up in that too, without getting discouraged. Um, I would say, I mean, when, when I decided to stop playing music was one of my biggest mistakes because I had to make up that lost time. Yeah. I'm only 35, but I lost about six or seven years when I was married and decided that um, through her convincing and me um, just kind of letting her run things, uh-huh. that it was not a good career path or a good choice for anybody that wanted to be um, – either a dad or a family man or somebody that can take care of their family financially, uh-huh. which I know now is all, is all false. That's not true at all. Every career that you choose, um, whether you choose to go in the music industry or any other industry, there are ways to find success and you don't have to necessarily do it the traditional way. I definitely didn't. So after my first few tours, I quit touring. So when I tried to get back into touring, that's actually why I became a drum tech. It's because when I got divorced in 2015, I was like, all right, I'm quitting this construction job. I want to get back on the road. I love music. I need to be involved in music somehow. So I started reaching out to my small network because it kind of dwindled down from when I first started touring because oh. people thought I was like retired basically. Yeah. Um, and that's when all the remains was looking for a drum tech and I knew their guitar tech and tour manager. They were friends of mine from Cincinnati and um, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you out, man. We need somebody like ASAP. Can you come out like next week? So I got divorced in August, and then I was on tour in September. <laughs> I want to say congratulations, but I don't want to sound harsh. <laughs> you know? No, no, it was it was a great thing. I mean, she's she's better off now. She's happy with who she's with, and I'm happy where I'm at, definitely. So, like, we're both great. You can tell me congrats because we would both say we are definitely happier. No, I meant that as a compliment. But like, was it just? Did you have any kind of like uh, shell shock from jumping into a gig that big right away? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was cool to um, get on a tour bus again because I actually did merch briefly for the Devil Wears Prada oh. when I was like 20. Oh, nice. Because um, their merch guy uh, quit 
briefly and I was friends with those guys because they're from the Dayton area. So we all kind of grew up in the same scene and uh, they knew that I wanted to be full-time in music. Um, they're like, well, you can't drum for us. Daniel's a drummer, but like we need a merch guy. You can totally come out and do that. We'll pay you. I said, cool. Nice. So that was my first bus tour. Um, and then obviously took the break when I was married, when I came back to it, it was great to get back on a bus. Um, and I dove in head first, man. I, I nerded out over drums like I had in the past and it felt good to be able to like talk drums with the drummer, uh, find out what drum heads he would want to use, what his techniques are, what his practice routine is, uh-huh. um, and all of that. So it was, it was, it was natural for me to be honest. So speaking of gear, I, I kind of want to bring up your current setup. You're, uh, you just started playing the Matrix yeah. uh, Saturn Evolution. Is that correct? Yes. Nice. Yep, and, just and, got it. Uh, is that the Maple Walnut or just the Walnut? It's the Maple Walnut. Nice. I actually just got the same set myself. <clears throat> Did you really? Yeah. Um, I, got I think I saw some videos of you playing it. Yeah. And I, actually, that's like, and I know a lot of people say this, but that's <laughs> probably like one of the easiest kits I've ever tuned. I don't know what it is. Really? So I, I just put you some... actually have the Saturn Evolution, or do you have the Saturn? It's the Saturn. Okay, so the Saturn has the walnut for the inner flag, correct? Yeah, it's maple on the outside, walnut on the inside. Yeah, yeah. This one only has one or two plies that are inside the drum that are um, maple. Uh-huh. Or no, that are walnut, sorry. And then the inner ply is, is maple. So that's the difference, I think, between the... Um, it's more of a hybrid kit than um, the Saturn series is. A little bit more anyway. But yeah, the Saturn series with that with that walnut on the inside, those things sound killer. Yeah, I, I simply just put some emperors on it and it kinda of just was easy to tune. I, I don't know, it's yeah, just, yeah. Especially, especially in a dead room, it just worked out really well. Yeah, nice man. So, so what's your uh, configuration um, with that kit? Uh, do you have one up, two down on that one? I do for the Aaron Lewis gig. So I I've only used it for that. And I'm uh, I know we're gonna go over um, my studio that I'm currently trying to build. Nice. Um but I don't have a setup at my house right now because our house is smaller um, than the house I lived in in Dayton. And there's not a lot of room for me to set up a full kit uh, because her office is right next to this spare room Uh and she works from home Um, and she does interviews all day long on the phone. So there's no way that I could play really. Yeah. Uh, So I have an electronic kit that I jam on. Um, It's nothing, nothing special, Uh, but it gets the job done to at least stay somewhat um, in shape drum wise. But, yeah, the uh, configuration that I purchased, which when you have an endorsement, a lot of people don't know, they don't always give you free drums. Uh, it's discounted for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I bought the kit, it was a 10, 12, 14, 16 configuration with a 20-inch kick. Oh, nice. um, I just posted actually yesterday a full kit run through on my Instagram and Facebook to get a chance to watch them. It has like uh, kind of the sizes and everything, and then I'm using the – uh, Black Panther Persuader snare, which is a hand hammered brass snare, and it's a 14 by six and a half, and it sounds killer. Nice. Yeah, so that's the kit right now. I don't have any other Mapex drums just yet because I honestly just signed the deal with them um, in September, right before I went on tour, drum teching for Stained. And then during that tour, I purchased my kit and picked it up as soon as I got home from that tour <laughs> because two days after I got home, we loaded up the trailer and went out for five more dates with Aaron Lewis. Oh, so you didn't get a chance and the to break state liners. You didn't even get a chance to break it in at that point. No, no, not at all. So I seriously, no joke. We had a, our semi at um, one of the places where we load our lights here in Nashville. So all of our gear was in there. So I took the boxes with my drums, still my brand new drums, still in the boxes in my car, directly to Premier Global, unloaded from the boxes. Took out my old drums from the cases, put those in my car, 
put my drums in the new cases, switched around um, the kick drum head logo uh-huh. or logo head or whatever, and then put it in the trailer. And then I saw it the next day and uh, changed the heads out because I didn't have time to do that when they were loading the trailer or whatever. So it was seriously like unboxing straight into the cases. So the only time I actually got to check the sound with them and like tune them up and stuff was like right before sound check the next day. Nice. So with that twenty inch kick, yeah. what, what is what's your go to head on heads on that kit so far? I know you so you just got it, but what what are you running as far as heads <clears throat> on that? Uh, right now, I haven't tested a ton, obviously, because I only played five shows with it. Yeah. But I I ran um, EC twos on the toms, and I had an EMAD on the kick, and then the snare. I almost always uh, use an HD dry, nice, um, or an or an SD dry, and those are all. Uh, Evans heads. They don't have to be Evans, but that's just my preference currently. But before I used the EC2s on my spawn kit, which is all North American maple, which also sounds really good. It was the same configuration, 20-inch kick, 12-inch rack, 14, 16 floors. Um, I was using the hydraulic glass heads, and those things sound awesome. Yeah, I love those. Um, Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're good. Just EC2s, EMAD, and then the HD drive. So in your years of uh, being professional, you know, teching other drums and stuff like that, what are you like your go-to live mics? What would you be your first preference? Man, I've used so many different mics over the years. So when it comes to my preference, yeah, if I own the mics, a lot of it has to do with budget because you know how expensive they can be. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I mean, SE has been great. Um, they make some killer microphones. Uh, lately, a lot of people have been changing over from like Sennheiser or Sure brand mm-hmm. to SE. Um, but I, I like a combination, to be honest with you. So like when I get my studio set up here at the house and I bought a, a shed that I'm turning into a drum shed, I like saw, a, an actual drum studio. I saw that. It looks badass. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited, man. So like I saved all of my money from working all year and so i had a little bit saved up to be able to to make this happen because i knew moving into this new house that we didn't have an opportunity to have anywhere there's no basement here a lot of houses in tennessee don't have them um so i didn't have a chance to utilize any rooms so in any case um right now i'm using two behringer overheads uh that are just standard like condenser overheads um i have two sure se or no wait sorry not se the uh sure I think the uh, 57s, Uh I think is what I'm using for the snare on top and bottom. Nice. Um, And then when it comes to the kick, uh, I wish I had more, which I'm hoping to get more, but I need to get a second interface to be able to add more microphones. But I do want to use at least two or three mics to mic my kick when I record. Um, But currently I'm only using the um, 91. I'm pretty sure the beta 91. Okay. And, um, to be honest with you, I haven't upgraded my Tom mics, but I'm, I'm saving up because of how expensive they can be. I really, really, really want some expensive ones, uh-huh. um, but I can't afford them right now. So I'm just using a, a set of CAD mics that I've had for forever, and they sound fine. They get the job done when it comes to the Tom. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's a pretty simple setup. You know, one kick mic, two snare mics, um, usually four Toms, which takes up like the majority of the microphones I have, mm-hmm. um, and then two overheads. Um, and then if I, if I have enough inputs, then I at least try to do one room mic, which is usually, usually just a regular condenser microphone. Yeah. So uh, as we're talking about your studio, um, what, what services do you plan on offering out of it? Are you going to be doing drum tracks? Are you going to be giving lessons? Uh, how, how, what, what kind of projects were you going to do there? 
all of the above. So I'm, I'm still giving drum lessons. There just aren't as many out there because um, I'm still trying to build my name. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I do it sometimes, just not often. And uh, I really enjoy it, just giving my experience and my uh, know-how from working with so many big artists as a drum tech is pretty valuable, even if people don't see me as the drummer they look up to. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, a lot of that knowledge is is uh, priceless, in my opinion. But the uh, studio is going to be primarily used to record because I already have a few artists that are trying to commission me to record for them. But instead of going to a local studio, I want to finish building mine and see if my uh, build and tones and recording can be equivalent, if not better than some of the studios in the area. So then I can be competitive with recording. Um, I'm hoping to put out videos, maybe some playthrough of some of Aaron's songs, um, drum covers for fun um, and resume builders. Uh, but then, yeah, a lot of remote uh, drum lessons and recording. And then if anybody wants to start jamming, because I have a couple guys that want to maybe write some music with me nice. in the area, um, I might have them over because there should be more than enough room for them to set up some amps in there and and jam with me so so if uh um, that's the goal and inquire about lessons would, would reach you on social media be the best way to reach you for that yeah either facebook instagram or youtube or if you just go to davidnester.com um there's an, a contact page where you can send me an email through the actual website and then it has links to the rest of my social media on that actual website oh nice now 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 we're, yeah, t- we're talking about your teaching um what what are you taking all levels? Or are you taking a beginner expert or are you just open to all levels at this point? Um, it really depends. Uh, cause I don't have a traditionalist way of teaching. Um, I, I know it's important, um, for a lot of people that have been uh, fully educated in the drumming world that, you know, guys that have master's degrees in percussion performance or in music theory or just in music in general, they could teach circles around me when it comes to certain aspects of drumming. Uh-huh. Um, especially like reading sheet music, I could teach you, but I'm not very fluid with it. Um, when it comes to rudimental stuff, I never did marching bands, so I'm aware of them and I can do the majority of them, but I actually only use like the first four or five, uh, rudiments. I don't, I don't necessarily think as a full kit player, it's a necessity in my opinion, uh-huh. um, to have all 40 plus, uh, rudiments memorized and being able to do them like flawlessly is, is really that important to full kit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does, uh, it does open up um, creativity and ability to um, change up beats a lot more. And uh, in the future, if I get extra time, if I'm not busy hustling, which is going to take a little while to get to that point, um, I might do a deep dive down that road, you know, but, but yeah, my, my lessons are a little more on the side of like, this is how I became, you know, a professional drummer. And this is how I became a professional drum tech. And here are the tools that I use and that I continuously use for practice routines, for stretching, um, for networking, for live performances on how to be a better drummer when it comes to live shows, be less nervous, um, how to memorize music because I've had to play cover band shows for years, which I'm happy that I don't do that anymore. (laughs) But learning, learning a 60 plus song set for one gig is something that I've had to do in the past in like less than 48 hours. Yeah, it is and it isn't. You just got to know. You got to know how uh, your own brain works when it comes to memorizing things. Yeah, um, that's why a lot of these Nashville Broadway drummers, you'll see them have like a music stand, uh-huh. and they have charts. 
So they'll, they'll be reading charts like what the drums are supposed to be played during the song, which I, I don't necessarily like. It doesn't feel real to me. Yeah, it feels a little um, mechanical I'm not, at that point. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not knocking them, right? Because I can't do the charting thing that those guys do, so I commend them for doing it. But if somebody asked me to come fill in for them, if it was a cover band show, I would just ask him to send me the set list and I would just learn it. Nice. Now, uh, you're actually yeah. a pro at doing this, but are you going to offer like tuning lessons or any kind of like insight on how you tune drums as well? Yeah. Yeah. I actually did. Um, during the pandemic, I tried to do a tech tutorial series. Um, the guy I was doing videos with, um, it just didn't work out us working together. Oh. But um, I, I did four different tech tutorials where the videos are really cool. So I did like how to clean your cymbals, how to change drum heads and tune um and and quite a few other things in those other two videos but yeah i'm always willing to give lessons on that and actually um, people have reached out to me recently just asking for advice like hey how do you tune this or how do you tune your snare to have like one example recently was how do you tune your snare to have better ghost notes and i was like you can't tune your snare to have better ghost notes you just gotta know how to tune your snare how you like it and then the player or you if you're the player has to play the ghost notes now when you you prep for like a gig to do teching or even playing um, do you, do you find yourself listening to that drummer a lot to kind of feel like see their habits and like their ghost note techniques? How do you dive into that kind of stuff before going on the road with them? Uh, yeah, it's definitely good to do some research. Um, if you're going to work for somebody that you haven't worked for in the past, um, like this Matt Starr who plays for H Freely that gig, uh-huh. I looked at videos of him playing for sure. I wanted to see his style. He's got like a old school Bonham style with his playing. Yeah. Um, his setup is either 24 or 26 inch kick drums that are thin, um, usually big rack toms, 13 to 15 inch His floors range from like 16 to 20. Um, and then his snare is normally a, a regular black beauty or, um, just a Ludwig like steel snare, like 14 by six, six and a half, something like that. So his, his kit's pretty standard when it comes to like the rock sizes, like old school, but, uh, his tuning is a little more flat. He's really picky with the angles. He's really picky with the height of his cymbals. So luckily, the old drum tech gave me like all the measurements um, that he prefers. So I basically just, I always have a, uh, I always have a full Pelican, which is just a brand of uh, case. You've probably heard of it before, but that's what I like to use on tour. So if I don't have my work box, which this gig is a little smaller, uh-huh. so I just travel with a Pelican full of tools instead of a full work box. Um, I always have like, measuring tape to do the measuring for Matt for his symbols and stuff. Um, I have a protractor app on my phone because he likes certain angles to be actually specific to certain degrees, which is interesting, but that's his preference. Uh-huh. Um, then I have a uh, symbol cleaner, drum polish, always extra rags, a bunch of drum keys, uh, Leatherman tool. Um, all those things are really important because you never know what you're going to be working with. And when, when you go to do fly dates, that's what we're doing. Uh-huh. You get backline rental gear. So you're working with a new kit almost every show. So do you have any uh, funny disaster um, stories with backline kits or anything like that? <laughs> I imagine you do. Um, not not with backline kits, really? but man, I, I won't tell the full story because it's so long. But um, when I first got the gig working for Corn, I went out to Bakersfield and um, their old tech was kind enough to show me the, the rundown of the kit and help me set up the rack that Ray uses, which is an insane um, elaborate bw drum rack that almost looks like an upside down spider um it's just so many moving parts on that thing which is crazy but luckily it lives on the riser it breaks in half and you just put it in the semi 
you take down like cymbals and some of the drums, but most of it lives up there, which is cool. Um, in any case, I did two festival dates with them and then we took like a week break and then we all went down to Florida to do pre-production for a full two month tour that we were going to do with Spain. Well, in transit, the semi that was carrying all of the gear got into an accident. Uh, nobody was hurt luckily, but the gear was hurt. So we had a bunch of, um, cases completely smashed somehow. Um, and the drum riser got knocked around pretty bad enough that both he had two acrylic 24 by 24 inch custom kick drums uh -huh. and they lived on the riser. And I always had them strapped down with bungee cords and uh, I tried to cover them up with uh, moving blankets when possible. Um, unfortunately in this situation, none of that helped. Um, when I got to Florida the night before we loaded in at 7am the next morning for pre-production, my production manager texted me and said, Hey, just so you're aware that the semi wasn't an accident and your drums are damaged. These are the only pictures I have from the driver, but you need to be aware that we're walking in this tomorrow, into this tomorrow. Oh. And I was like, okay. So he sent me a picture. Um, one of the kick drums where the spur actually is attached to the drum was completely punctured. Uh, it was about a, I would say 10 inch circumference of the hole in his acrylic kick drum. Oh. Um, and then the other kick drum had about a foot and a half crack that went right, right where the spur gets screwed into the actual kick drum. And those are acrylic, correct? Um, they were both acrylic. Yep. Oh. So when we got there, I was like, all right, well let's assess all the damage. That's all the kick drums. Uh, without freaking out, I just immediately went into, uh, like recovery mode. I got to figure out what we're going to do. Cause the band's going to be here in two days and we had only two days to go through everything. And this is when COVID was still screwing up lights for everybody. So all, all of our lighting guys and all a lot of our other crew didn't even show up till like 12 o'clock that next night. So like they were a whole day behind. So everybody was like, it was chaos at the beginning of that tour. Um, so I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I had to assess the rest of the damage. Three of the actual DW bars were bent into a V. Ooh. That's how bad the wreck was. Jesus. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of how intense and how like, heavy duty, whatever happened, yeah. um, was, so it was really intense, but in any case, luckily those are the only two uh, drums that were damaged. Everything else I had in cases. Um, so, uh, one of the stage hands suggested I, I try to find, like, I was looking for a plastics company. I was like, maybe a plastics company will have the right stuff. Cause I looked it up online and you shouldn't use certain kinds of glues with acrylic cause it can really mess with the acrylic and sometimes even melt it if okay. the chemicals are wrong. So Oof. I found a, um, a boat company because we were in West Palm beach, Florida, they were a windshield repair company and they actually took on, um, fixing those kick drums. And I took both kick drums to them and they had them to me within three hours. And they gave me a little kit with uh, a bunch of little, um, chunks of acrylic that I could glue almost like stitching, uh -huh. like little one inch chunks along the cracks to make sure they didn't crack. So we fixed both kick drums and luckily the main kick drum that was damaged the worst, um, I was able to switch with the one that was only cracked, not completely punctured, because he uses one as a dummy kick because he uses a double bass pedal. Uh -huh. That was one of the best things about the whole situation. But we used that cracked kick drum all the way up until the last week of the tour because everybody was out of stock. Pearl couldn't help me. They were way behind because of COVID. They didn't have any supply. They sent me two kick drums that were red instead of clear. Oh. And they weren't the right sizes, so I couldn't use them. 
but Ray told me to go ahead and set them up with the Kelly shoe system for the mics just in case. Um, so they were ready to go. I put new heads on them, put a couple logo heads on them and made sure they had the Kelly shoe system at least set up, which I'm, I'm sure you're aware of is, Oh yeah. Um, a cool system that, that, that elevates the microphone and kind of keeps it suspended. Um, so yeah, we were able to get through the whole tour. Um, I was able to get some extra parts from DW, uh, delivered pretty quickly and fix those kick drums well enough to go through those shows and still play some killer sold out, um, like 10 to 15,000 people, uh, amphitheater shows. And they, they sounded killer the rest of the rest of the summer. So that's a badass thinking on your feet. That's, that's, that's badass, man. He came through on that one really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I thank the stagehand for the suggestion because he's the one who really gave me the suggestion to go to that specific company. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did have the idea, and then he kind of capitalized on it and helped me out. So that was really cool. Um, but that's the kind of thing as a tech. Setting up a drum kit, tuning drums, polishing cymbals, that kind of stuff is like the easiest part of being a drum tech. Yeah, Being a drum tech and being a good one is when you can troubleshoot when you have a situation like that happen and be calm about it. Um and be able to actually find a solution, not just freak out or quit or like give up, you know, because a lot of people would in that situation. Could you imagine? Yeah. All right, I'm working for corn. These drums are now broken. I have two days to fix it and everyone's out of stock and I can't get anything to help us out. So Jesus. what do I do? You're literally talking about the yeah. most important instrument in front of a thousand people. <laughs> you know what I mean? The heartbeat of the band is failing. You know what Correct. I mean? So that, yeah, I can, I can understand the pressure and anxiety that goes with all that. And Ray is a very hard hitter. If you, if whoever listens doesn't yeah. know, Ray Luzier is like a super hard hitter. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, for example, he broke 14 symbols on that two month tour. And he uses a uh, Sabian too. They're, they're good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Sabian was great. They would always send us uh, backups if we needed, but we took four symbol vaults out with us because he knows he breaks them all the time. Jesus. And he likes to switch things up sometimes. So like one day he'll be like, you know what, let's throw a China over here in between uh, the the electronic drum pads and the hi hats. I'm like, all right. Yeah, he's a real deal. He's Do it like, in the next the day. Right now. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun, and I'm glad that he lives here in Nashville. As soon as both of our schedules slow down, I'm hoping that we can get together and hang out. That'd be cool. So uh, before we round yeah. it out, I kind of want to talk about what's in what's in the future for you. Whatever you're allowed to say, but are you going to go back on the road <clears> with any bands playing or teching here in the future? Yeah, yeah, I can I can divulge. Um, so I have no dates with Aaron Lewis as of right now uh, for the rest of this year. And next year he's doing acoustics for the first two or three months at least. And then there's uh, talk of maybe some stained stuff, but no guaranteed dates. Um, they asked me to come back out cause I did drum teching and playback for them. Yeah. Um, and so they would love to have me come back out, which if I'm not busy, of course I would do it. Cause that was an, an easy gig and they're, they're fun to work with. Um, Sal, the drummer for stained is super cool and a very good drummer too. Uh-huh. If you haven't checked him out. Um, so right now I actually am flying out first thing tomorrow, uh, to drum tech for Ace Freely, um, drummers, Matt Starr. We're going to be doing three shows, Indiana, Illinois, and then Wisconsin. And then I'll fly back on Sunday. And then the following weekend, um, my buddies who play for Struggle Jennings, Kareem, who's actually another Matex drummer. And then my buddy, Aaron, who's his bass player. They asked me to come kind of help stage manage and set up the drums and do like a backline because nice. um, they don't really have anybody and they need somebody pretty bad. So they called me in a pinch. So I'm going to go to South Carolina for a one-off with them. And then the week after that, going back out with Ace Freely for a few dates. Um, and there's there's been some talk of some other stuff that isn't really guaranteed, so I don't want to necessarily say that. But I mean, the drum teching world, if you can find 
a good niche where you're good at your job and um, reliable. You don't smell too bad on tour. You're not annoying on tour. Uh, you show up on time. You don't get drunk all the time. Like all of those things are actually a pretty big deal. The hang is what they call it in the industry. If you can hang or like be like pretty chill and like easy to, to work with on the road, you can almost always find a gig. Yeah, I guess just being relaxed and handling the pressure, you know. Yeah. Uh, besides that, playing-wise, um, I don't have anything lined up currently. Um, I am looking, but I still am, am Aaron's drummer if they do full band stuff. But um, as of right now, it looks like there's going to be a little bit of time. So I need to get the studio finished and uh, get some recordings out there, get some videos out there. Um, and I do have my feelers out with some possibilities here in Nashville for some for some cool gigs um, that can hold me over until Aaron does full band again. Um and then teching wise, there's there's always something out there for me to do when it comes to teching. But that's the one thing I did want to um, touch on briefly before we go is uh, when you want to be full time in the music industry, you have to be full time in the music industry. It can't be this uh, one foot in, one foot out kind of deal because I did that for a little while, uh-huh. and it's not really the way things work. Um, you gotta you gotta just dive in if you're gonna do it. There are a lot of uh, local backline companies in most cities that you can work for. There's a lot of uh, local stain chains that you can get involved in that kind of give you the rundown of the industry that'll help you learn how to do lighting, rigging, um, backline tech stuff, maybe get involved in monitors or front of house engineering. Um, all of those different areas have a huge need in the music industry. And a lot of the older guys that have been doing this for a long time, they're not going to be around forever. So, um, I really hope that there's still going to be like a lot of really good, reliable uh, people. So I really kind of push for it because it is a career that people overlook because it's not something that is really well known. There's not a curriculum out there. Yeah. I think it's cliche because I think people think it's oversaturated. I think that's the first fear that comes over in people's mind. Like too many people trying to do that. You know what I mean? But really Uh, it sounds like it's actually the opposite. Yeah. I would say if you want to, if you want to be a musician in Nashville, that's probably oversaturated. Like if you want to be a singer songwriter, that's for sure going to be uh, an oversaturated market. Um, if you want to play music downtown Broadway, that's an oversaturated market yeah. uh, for sure. But when it comes to working in the music industry, um, there's never going to be enough good technicians or engineers for sure. There, there will always be a need for it. And there's going to be people retiring. I know COVID made a lot of people retire. They decided to stay home with their families and like, so many new gigs have opened up, but there's just not enough people to fill the void. That's weird. <laughs> so it's just weird to hear mm-hmm. that. Well, uh, David, this is a real I mean, it, it oh, is, go, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, it, it is weird to hear it, but I just want to always reiterate, like being involved in the music industry as a musician uh-huh. is the best way to do it because you know music, hopefully at least a little bit already. So like I would always encourage people to push for it just to see if they, if they can make it happen for their career because it's a really rewarding uh, business to work in. Yeah, you sound like a happy person. So, you know, you know I mean, it's all good stuff. Yeah, man. Well, David, it's, yeah. it's been a real pleasure to have you on, and I like I look forward to hearing more of your stories in the future. And I, yeah, I didn't realize how depth your career was, and the more I hear about it, you're a real pro, dude. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, Justin, thanks so much for having me on. All right, until next time. Thank you. All right, later.